Hello, Hellions, Hellhounds, and the Haunted. It's time to get our horror on. Welcome to your weekly dose of horror news and fun. This is episode 18 of Terrorvision Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McGinnis, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Jennifer the Dream Warrior Strand. Together, we are two people with a love of horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. You can catch us weekly on all major podcasting services and on the YouTube. But I want to know, Jennifer, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. I hung out with my mother. (laughs) Yeah, it's been good. I can't remember what I did Monday through Friday, but I hung out with my mum and my sort of racist 85-year-old grandma, which was pretty funny but also highly inappropriate. Is she Um, olden-time racism like they talk about in Clerks too? (laughs) Yes, pretty much. And, look, she's 85. She can't hear anything. I know we shouldn't make excuses for people, but... She's 85. She doesn't know. She has no idea. She never leaves her house. Like, she doesn't interact with people. She doesn't know these things. Is she, so, is she actually racist? Like, she blames stuff on races of people that doesn't make any sense? No, no, no. Nothing like that. It's just, like, the little racial slurs that sort of, that your grandparents throw out and you kind of side glance them and think, mm. Yeah. That, that's, so, uh, no, in no way is she, like, you know anti-everyone. She's just of a different generation. Yeah, no excuse. That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) It it is gross, but yeah, I know. Uh, But I got to see my mum, which is pretty cool. I don't get to see her very often, so any time to hang out with my mum is a great time. We ate lasagna. She made me lasagna, which was great. Um, Garfield style. Garfield style. Oh, man, my mum's lasagna is the best. Oh. Yeah, and aside from that, I grabbed Tony Hawk 1 and 2, so I have been playing that. I have also been playing Tony Hawk 1 and 2. What do you think about it? I love it. Like, I've created a skater. It, she, the skater is super gay. kind of just looks like Ellen Page. Um, <laughs> and, I'm, I, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, well, that's just how it is. It's um, true. It plays really well. It looks amazing. So, yeah, it's- I cannot wait. It's um, it's definitely an interesting vibe. It's fully gonna bring, like that Tony Hawk arcadey weird style to a new generation. I reckon. Well, a generation yeah. that doesn't have it, where they had to grow up with like skate and stuff like that, which is all super technical, and you know, like you know, super realistic. Where Tony Hawk's is just like an, a jam that you get to like just go in, have fun, listen to wicked tunes, do ridiculous oh, yeah. tricks, and it's just a good game. Like I'm, I think we're reviewing it on Hack the Diner this week, and it's just like, well, I know oh, I am. Fantastic. And it's um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I don't like about it is the character creation is pretty limited, and you like, but it you is. can you can like put an, on your character every tattoo that's ever known to man. Yet there's no option to put glasses on them. Yeah, I was a bit bummed out, but also I couldn't make my skater, or at least I missed it, I couldn't make my skater slightly chubby, because I feel that it's a bit of a lie, me skating around being all thin and gay looking, when that's not the reality at all. No, no. The, um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it's like, there is only one, you know, uh, uh, body weight, there's only kind of like, you know, the chiseled looking dude, you know what I mean? Like, there's not yeah. enough options yeah. for like... Uh, my character looks like me from behind, which is okay yep. because most of it you see is just you, the you're behind. But like, since one of my biggest character uh, things that I've got is my glasses, and without my glasses, it just doesn't look like me. If you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally get that. But 
but no, yeah. it's it's fun, and it just reminds me of all the cool music I used to listen to back in the day, just skating around with in Tony Hawk. So it's it's been really good. So I probably will be doing that as soon as we're done here, even though I do have a butt ton of work that I need to do. Yeah, same here. I just want to play Tony Hawk's. Um, apart right. from that, it was Father's Day this weekend, and like I've just had a baby, so I got to be a Father's Day. Uh, it was pretty good. Like my wife was what, just like, "What yeah. do you want to do?" And I didn't really think about it. And then I'm like, "Hang on, I can do whatever I want." And you know <laughs> what I ended up doing was just working in the shed for half the day, and then the end half of the day, I'm like, I want to go to the city and just walk around. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, I mean, just, you did a pretty pretty big dad thing. Like, I'm just gonna be in the shed if anyone needs me. That seems like a dad thing. Yeah, but like when we go shopping, it's usually like Claire has an agenda and, and that. But I just got to like just do whatever I wanted. So we just like looked at shops and video games and you know just crap boring stuff for her. She was oh, fine. that sounds like fun. I enjoyed it a lot. And I bought like a, and she bought me a Beastie Boy record as well. Oh, cool. Which one? Uh, the Paul's Boutique. Oh, cool. Anyhow. Very good. Let's move anyway. on to the homework. So every week, Jennifer and I set ourselves three horror movies to watch and then we review them together the following week. We have a, our, um, our legendary uh, Terravision Horror Podcast scoring system, which I'm just going to quickly go over. So starting from the top as the best rating is A for awesome that everyone should watch, B for beer and chicken wings group movie, F for fun and dumb, C for a classic that's worth a watch, G, good for its time but it hasn't really held up, J is a Jennifer special, D is a Dan special, meaning like the films that only we, only we, us two can love. Um, <laughs> w is like whatever, doesn't really matter, wasn't, what, doesn't even come off my radar. S is for this is shit, avoid. And the double F is the fucking fucked one. <laughs> now, yes, I, I'd, like, I'd like to point out that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation helped us to develop that last one. The, so the fucking fucked. Now, I have um, created sound effects for each of these for when we score them. Jennifer, unfortunately, will not be able to hear them, but uh, she will on the playback. But uh, that's okay. So we'll see how that goes. If it doesn't work, we'll just deal with it. But first, yeah. oh, we get to gush. We get to gush straight away. Our first film. We should have put this as our last one we were talking about. I, like, honestly, yeah, because I kind of wanted to burn through the other two just to, to get to this one. But this is even better. We get to talk about it first up. Straight away. We watch Cabin in the Woods. From 2011, director Drew Goddard. Um, he's actually a writer as well. So he's done. So this was his yeah. first directing. Uh, so he, he, and I'm pretty sure he co-wrote this with Joss Whedon yeah. uh, as well. So he wrote this one, uh, Cabin in the Woods. But he's also been the writer on like World War Z, Cloverfield, The Martian, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But this, like, he hasn't. He's not really much of a director, but he's mm. proven to me that he's a director. And, right. Yeah, and starring. Yeah. Good old Crim- Crims. <laughs> Crim. Chris Hemsworth, the old uh, Australian actor who's now Thor, and but we know him from Home and Away as yep. <laughs> s- some some meat chunk of a man. <laughs> I, I mean, I know he's in the show, but I couldn't tell you who or when. He's just like male, like, you know, Australian male number two or something like that. Standard Australian beefcake. Yeah, blonde beef. head, blue eyed. Well, there's a million Hemsworths out there. Like every time I think I know there's all the all the Hemsworth, another one appears. Like they're kind of like the Baldwins. Yeah, or like maybe you just if they get wet, they multiply like a gremlin. <laughs> and because he was on Home and Away, I assume he did a lot of surfing, and that's probably why there's so many Hemsworths. 
that's that's pretty much yeah. Anyway, I agree. Do you want to quickly do the synopsis of this one? Yes. Uh, so you think you know the story? Five college friends spend the weekend at a remote cabin in the woods where they get more than they bargain for. Together, they must discover the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Going to throw that out there. That's not really what the film's about, hey? <laughs> no, but you. this film is just something like absolutely completely different fucking bonkers off the wall that you would have just ruined. Yeah, just you... by saying like what it is. Like, yeah. No, this synopsis is perfect for marketing because it doesn't give it away. That is true. That is true. So basically, this film is um, without like trying to. Sp- uh, we, we're going to talk about it. We we might not like say exact points, but we'll just say that like, you know stuff happens kind of thing. Yeah. But um, there is this film is like a study on all films. Did you always find yeah. that like? It is. It's like a homage to everything. Yeah, horror. everything horror. Um, I mean, at the moment, you know, Joss Whedon is not really in the good books uh, um, no. in life uh, and stuff from being a yeah, dickhead yeah. and stuff and just being a dickhead, actually. Um, yeah. But this guy's a co-writer, so we can't, we can't put that against him. At one stage, you know, Joss Whedon was hot shit and everyone loved him and, like, you know, yeah. Firefly and all that kind of stuff. But so straight up, uh, first thing I want to talk about this film is the opening of the film which is I love that opening. So if you can imagine it, it's just two dudes. They're in like some sort of a like a building complex. They're just in suits. They look like office dudes and they're just having a nice boring conversation about like, you know, what they did on the weekend, their wives and stuff like that, just cruising along. And it's the actor from the West Wing. I, I can't remember what his name is right now. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone from me. Anyhow, um, they're cruising along, and you're just like, "What is this?" And it goes for a fair while, and then suddenly, just the, the you know the words "cabin in the woods" just get slammed in big red letters on the screen with like a scream for no reason. And um, it's perfect. It is, and you can uh, we've got here in our notes that like they apparently they deliberately uh, like the the writers uh, uh, Goddard and Whedon deliberately put that scene in to confuse people that when they came into the cinema they wanted to make them think that they'd walked into the wrong film <laughs> if they like came in yes. like and I'm like oh my well, god well I remember seeing it in the cinema and the you, you are just, I remember being there and I was with my friend and we kind of did that little side glance and then the, they it just shot up onto the screen and I'd say. 60% of the cinema shit their pants at that point. I laughed. I, I remember laughing because we had free I had, uh, advanced tickets to this. And I just remember when that came up, it just set the tone, the whole film, yeah. the whole film's yeah. tone. Like, like the film necessarily isn't like a pure comedy, like an Evil Dead horror comedy. It still got very funny, but um, mm. it really set that tone of like, this is a tongue-in-cheek thing. This is like a nod to horror, you know, a handshake to horror. And um, yeah. it really is. So... It goes from there, and but yeah, it, it as it said, three. It, it's about like um, basically, it's about. Well, I'm just gonna. Well, should we just say what it's about? Like, just go for it. Yeah. I mean, look, you knew we were doing this for homework, people. It's also been out for almost ten years. If you haven't seen it by now, yeah, that is true. So basically, in this in this film, the story is that there are these like elder gods that need a sacrifice of five people. Um, and this is in modern times, so the government knows yeah. about this. And so they develop and, and they, the people have to be sacrificed in a certain way. So there has to be like, you know, 
um, you know, the, the, the stereotypical horror trope. So there has to be like a dumb slut who dies first. There has to be the meathead jock. There has to be the nerd. And then the final girl, it's, you know, there's the, uh, the option of whether she can survive or die. It doesn't matter as long as she suffers, which is like basically, yep. you know, just all horror films. Uh, so that's the, the the elder god's condition with the government that they have to create this scenario. Except they can't just be forced into it. They have to do it by their own choosing as a as a thing. So this is a it's about a government agency that sets up scenarios to create these moments so these elder gods don't come and destroy our world. And yes, and then you realise from that that every film horror film you've ever watched is different. It's called the ritual is a mm-hmm. different year's rituals, basically. So it kind of ruins every other horror movie you've ever seen in a weird <laughs> way. Like it goes like, yeah, the whole no, reason these, uh, these, these rules are within horror is because these are actual things that had to happen to, uh, to prolong the existence of humans and the government like, orchestrates yeah. it. And they like put together, they get all the cursed objects in the world, they put them in one room. So the whole point is that the, these groups of teenagers, they have to be teenagers as well, uh, because it has to be the young has to suffer, um, mm-hmm. have to choose themselves the way that they're going to die. So they set up a whole room of, like, you know, cursed objects, like, like examples of stuff like the Necronomicon or, you know, the Hellraiser box or just, like, any other thing or like the that. the conch, the magic conch. Yeah, yeah, just anything. Like, anything to, to do with horror, they set it up and so that the, the people choose. And then they use a whole bunch of elaborate ways to, you know, make the people into these characters. So, like, the girl in it isn't necessarily a dumb person, but they um, sabotage her hair dye to make her dumber. They put, um, yeah. like, in this in all horror movies, you know, there's mist and smoke. That is actually, like, you know, yeah. uh, libido the enhancers and, and shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's fucking genius. When you're watching it, you're just like, this is so fun and so good. So it's good to note that the film is basically set there's two stories to this film so there is the two guys that we were talking about so richard jenkins and bradley whitford um so they're the two guys that we're talking about at the very beginning of the film and it's it's them orchestrating this scenario from behind the scenes and then of course the other story is the kids that go to the cabin in the woods yeah um so you know while all this is happening on one end like it then cuts to these kids and they're talking about like the cousins just bought a cabin and they're going down there for the weekend it's going to be hella fun they're going to drink and have sex and the standard horror movie tropes that any film has so that's what's happening simultaneously and then it sort of joins together yeah and it's all orchestrated though all this stuff by this government organization which is like super secret and i love it that it's just like a really like normal government organization like they have a a vote a voting pool to see you know like to see what they choose yeah so that they write up all the things on and there's the white there's a whiteboard moment where it's got all the things written on the whiteboard and there's all stuff like you know like zombies uh deadites uh you know all the possible options that they could choose that's going to come and get them and um, the, and then because of the main character, he's uh, he's always wanted to see the merman, the merman, uh, merman attack. So he's always bets on it's an office pool. So they all come yeah. together, and he puts always money on merman, and merman never turns up, and it's just like hilarious every every time. <laughs> and then just seeing that whiteboard, and when you're pausing that, and you just see all the stuff on there. It's yeah. is, is amazing. There's so much stuff on there, and then that whiteboard also comes into play later on 
towards the end of the film. Does it? Well, you know, when they're they're down. So once they get into the facility and all like everything is released. So you had a pre pre idea of what was to come and what was going to be released. Oh yeah, yeah, you definitely. Were looking out for everything there, like, oh, okay, well there's there's gonna be this this killer clown. Okay, yep, yep, there it is. Oh the tree, yep, tree's there, the yeah, getting, getting the guy. Cursed families, so, werewolves, everything are on there, you know, like just all, all the everything that could be in a film is on this whiteboard just scribbled on there. And then next to it is like what department like maintenance has chosen this like, you know, monster Amazing. <laughs> Such a good vibe. Um, and you're saying as well that there's like, uh, there's a Kevin written on the whiteboard. Yeah. So everyone, when the film came out, everyone was like, okay, well, what's Kevin? And like, what, you know, we kind of wish that we got to see what a Kevin was. And it turns out that um, Kevin was a reference to Elijah Wood's character from Sin City. Yeah. So, you know, that really creepy little skinny guy that didn't talk and, and even had when his he's, anime glasses on. And even when his, like, arms and legs are getting cut off, he still just sits there silently, he's like, content. still had that smirk. Oh, man. So, yeah, so, so yeah, they do all the stuff like the pheromone mist. They start, like, like you know... The ki- and what just makes it weird as well is that all other countries in the world are also doing this same initiative. So, so yeah. uh, Japan's doing it, Germany, Stockholm, or whatever. They're all trying to do it. So it's whoever does it first, and then they probably just it doesn't matter as long as one of the countries does this, we don't get mm. killed by these these elder gods. And um, I I really love the when it keeps cutting to Asia and showing like the like the Asian one is like a grudge ring girl that's attacking a bunch yeah. of schoolgirls, and then at the yeah. end when it's like. It, it shows that they fail, and it's like the the, 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 the school, guy. they they turn the, the 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 ghost girl into like a little frog, <laughs> like yeah. all cheer, uh, and then because he, it's been like everyone has failed, so all these other countries have failed, so it's now up to America, and it's just like Richard Jenkins screaming. Now, for of those of you who don't know who Richard Jenkins is, uh, if you've seen Step Brothers, he's the dad um, in Step Brothers, so yeah. he's basically. Like, screaming at this TV like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, he's basically yelling fuck you at a bunch of, like, 12-year-old school uh, Asian schoolgirls. <laughs> it's so good. To kill a bunch of nine-year-olds. Like, you know, it's just just all these little moments that aren't meant to be funny just end up being so funny. Mm. Um, I, I love it. I love it. And so it's really good to sort of – so we've talked about those guys, but it's kind Kind of good for us to chat about the other characters, so the kids that are going to the the cabin. Yeah, so it, it's it's weird because you got like the main character is a girl, so she's like the final girl kind of. I actually there's not much to talk about them as much. I really enjoyed the stoner dude because there has to be a fool as one of the sacrifices. Yeah. Um, I really I, I thought he was kind of cool. Um, his character I liked him as the stoner, you know, the stereotypical stoner guy. He, goes, he has that crazy bong when he rocks up. Yeah, he's got a a bong mug which is fully functional. Um, it cost five thousand dollars to make. I do want one. Um, yes. I actually had to Google Buff Fran Krantz. So Fran Krantz is the guy that plays him because he, the whole way through the film, even when they're at the swimming hole, they, like, he was still in his attire. Like, he had several layers of clothing on. And the reason for that was, at that point, he was in, like, so in shape, 
he was buffer than uh, old mate Hemsey. He didn't look. So. He didn't look right for the part because I noticed no. they put him in like Kurt Cobain cardigans and they make him like uh, uh, slouch over as if he's like a shaggy. He's supposed to be like yeah. Shaggy from Scooby Doo, basically. Pretty much. He's wearing like four layers of clothing because they were trying to hide the fact that he was like buff as shit. Um, <laughs> so about halfway, like at that point. You know, I'm like, oh, no, there's no way he's buffer than Chris Hemsworth. And I was, like, Googling buff Fran Krantz shirtless. And I'm like, oh, he's pretty buff. He is. He's nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a great stoner voice. Like, he actually sounds like that, yo, dude, why? You know what I mean? Like, that st- stone. Yeah. He's got all the stoner theories. But the thing that makes it hilarious is he is dead dead on correct about the whole everything. Which I, yeah. I thought was amazing. So he's like, the puppet strings, man, like, there's something not right about this. Like, why? Because, like, his friends that he's known his whole life who are usually academics or really nice suddenly act, start acting like this stereotypical, like, like you know, like, floozy girl and the jock meathead and they're fully not like that in real life. And he's like, what's going on? Like, why are they, why are they like, changing? And yeah. uh, it's and just it's, glorious. There's one point as well where um, one of the characters – down in the office area is is talking about well he's figured it out because all this shit that he's smoking has just made him completely immune to everything that we were trying to do to him yeah yeah because the the weed saves the day yeah oh it's so good um i (laughs) really i really liked as well like chris hemsworth's death scene i thought it was quite brutal like the um he he does such a good thing yeah, because because this is a whole orchestrated event, it's even got like the cabin in the woods has a force field around it, so they can't get out. Like you know, technology yeah. that doesn't exist. So he tries to jump over this ravine to try and get out, not not knowing that this is this invisible force field. So you just see a, a grown man jump a bike across a ravine, and at full full flight, like smash straight into this invisible wall, and like just turn into this limp body and fall down this cliff. And I, was, I remember seeing that in the film. And I, you know what's you know going to happen, but you're still just like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> like, but I, like, I think what, it, what makes that scene so much better and, like, more hilarious is the fact that he's like, right, I'm going to jump this ravine, and when I do, I'm going to bring the, the army, the navy, I'm going to bring every fucking person back here. And then, he's, and then she says something to him like, oh, you know, give it all you got. And he's like... I always do, and then fucking smashes into this force field, and it's just like dunk, yeah, dunk. Yeah, you see dunk. him falling down, like hitting the force field <laughs> as he goes down, oh. just into this abyss, and you just oh, it was so funny. And even watching it like last night because we watched it again for the show, and I just I laughed my ass off again. I just think it's funny. Yeah, every that part is. of the film is good because I, I mean, the. They're tongue-in-cheek versions of themselves, but they're like, yeah, they're changing. So there's so much going on in this film, and then because like, it does feel though. I actually think the pacing of this film was affected by this story. I, I feel it felt weird. Like you, you find it's like watching two films in one. So you get the whole yeah. cabin in the woods scene, and then you get this the bureaucracy of the um, uh, the government organization which is running this thing, and they're so. They're so polar opposites to each other that it actually like it like there is no like does it feel like the prop there's a proper like three acts in this film? It feels like there's four acts. It's really weird. Yeah, well, because like so you've got the very beginning of the film, so you set up the guys who are working in this thing, then you set up the kids who are going to this location, and the two don't sort of mesh until then 
you've got that Malachi guy on the phone who's called up and they're like taking the piss out of him over the phone. Man, that's funny. Because um, he's just like, oh, the, the lambs are heading towards the slaughter. Wait, do you have me on speakerphone? Yeah, yeah. How rude. <laughs> And they're just like He's like some old him. school horror dude trying to monologue and they're just pissing themselves laughing on the other end. <laughs> like, and the land will be. And I, I like that they mention him later. Like the whole point is that he has to be in there. He is part of the ritual. They have to yeah, choose and- to ignore his um, warnings as part of it. Like, yeah. fuck, fuck gods are, are fickle bastards, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really are. So the so there's that. So there's the the pre kids. There's the kids. There's the cabin. There's the fucking terrible, crazy redneck zombies. Um, and that's then, what yeah. That's what they get. So they choose this yeah. redneck zombies kind of thing. Yeah. Then there's a massacre. Then they're down. So um, they all start dying off, obviously, as they do. Um, now the the key is to think that so when the young stoner dies. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Marty. When Marty dies, um, you don't see his death. So when they pull the lever to indicate that there is another sacrifice, there's an earthquake because he hasn't died. Yeah, they basically. So it, it, so it's, it they, stuffs up basically. Yeah. So he basically falls into the coffin with with the, one of the redneck zombies. He actually just completely dismembers it and comes back out and saves. Um, Kristen Connolly's character, and they jump back into the coffin, which leads down to an elevator that's going to get them back into this facility. Mm. So then all of a sudden, the two worlds are combining, and now they're in the facility. Because the facility and- is directly underneath the cabin, which uh, you, you, yeah. did, you didn't know to that point. You just figured it was somewhere off, off scene, and suddenly you yeah. realise, oh, they sent the zombies up from below, and yeah, so they used the elevator shaft that they sent the zombies up originally to... Um. Yeah, to, they get back down into the facility, which is like the stoner and the main girl. There's only two people left at the end. And I've got to yeah. say, that elevator scene um, is one of my favourite scenes nearly in any film. I remember yeah. when that happened in the cinema. So it's basically they go into this like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, great glass elevator thing, and it can move sideways yeah. and stuff, and it starts going down. And you realise that they aren't elevators. They're actually like cages that are yeah. for all these other versions of the horrors that they that the uh, other versions that they could have chosen, and you get yeah. these a uh, uh, couple of shots that they go past other cages. So you see stuff like uh, basically a pinhead character, like a Hellraiser character, but instead of a puzzle box, he's got like a puzzle sphere. So everything is homaged in this, yeah. or like what was some of the other ones? It's like a ballerina girl yeah. with a like no face, a mouth for a um, face. There's, there's- the strangers characters so if you've seen the movie the strangers where it's just the people wearing the creepy doll masks oh yeah there's um, like a werewolf in that part werewolf. as well and so you realize and that's when it's suddenly like your mind gets like at that point my mind got blown a bit more i was like oh my god am i going to get the opportunity to see more of these monsters and yes. and then it, it suddenly it does a shot where it zooms out from our elevator we're seeing and you see it keeps zooming out and you just see basically this gigantic wall of cages with every yeah. horror movie trope in it, in it, like animated, like just, and it, like, you know, the yeah. killer robot from like Deadly Friend and stuff like that. And not Deadly Friend, Chopping Mall. Yeah. Everything, every horror movie thing. And you just have a bloody overload. You're just like, oh my fucking, this is the best. Yes. <sighs> and then, of course, once they get into the facility and the security guards start coming out trying to shoot at them, where else do they go but the control room? And it's got and a giant button that it says purge. <laughs> yes. 
Now, for those of you playing at home, purge means they're going to release every fucking creature. So they're just standing there. There's all these, it's like a standoff. They're hiding behind this thing. There's a bunch of army guys. And then all of a sudden the elevator just dings. And it's just a fucking bloody feast of a massacre. And it's glorious. Yeah, it may be one of the greatest carnage montages I've ever seen. Hey? Oh, like, it was the best. Because it's not only like, is it a carnage montage? It's a carnage montage with every horror trope. So you've got like yeah. clowns running around killing people. You've got ghosts. You've got... Everything you've got comedy ones, you've got giant anacondas, you've got giant spider, you've got everything, you've got killer families, you've got oh, it just goes on, and it's just this montage of this. And of course, all the guards are just like they just look like SWAT team dudes in like you know, masks, yeah. so there's no there's no personality to them, so it's just basically a massive excuse to see just like. Like three minutes of uh, three or five minutes of just these scenes of just the most fun, ridiculous stupidity. There is a little bit too yeah. much CG in this film. There is, I, yes, but I, I don't think you could get away with doing like a hundred percent practical effects in a film like this. There's there's too many things going on. They do a fair lot of practical effects. There's a unicorn that attacks people. That's just a horse that they've just stuck a thing on. Okay, so then that leads me to the question, because I forgot about the unicorn. I remember the evil dead trees in there, I remember all these different things, but I forgot about the unicorn. So, that leads me to the question, what artifact do you think they would have picked up to get a unicorn? I don't know, like, what? what's a main thing? When you think of unicorn, what's an item you associate with a unicorn? It's, it's, it's kind of weird, like... Maybe like I know, th- I know the people that I associate with unicorns. I don't know what I associate unicorns with, like rainbows, maybe. Yeah, I was, I was thinking maybe like a ra- maybe like a rainbow box or something. Like a, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do like a, a music box because that's obviously like you know killer ballerinas and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just like a, a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Like a like biscuit? Like a My Little Pony, maybe? Yeah, I got more of like a biscuit or something you'd eat, maybe like a gobstopper. Okay. You eat a certain lolly and it comes. Yeah, like a glittery, sugary snack. Yeah, like a Wonka bar or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we would bring, like, um, this. And there's a whole bunch of made-up ones in there as well, which I really appreciate. So they just they just went ham. They went hard mm. as a motherfucker on these these scenes. And um, I, I, I can't. Like, I remember, like, as a horror fan, seeing that in the film, I, I remember thinking to myself, am I watching, like, the one of the best things I've ever seen in my life? Like, the only other montage I think is better is, like, yeah. the, the brain dead ending. Like, mm. and that's all practical effects, and that's why I love that one so much, and it goes for long. There's more blood and gore. Um, yeah. It's almost like it feels like it goes too quick, that scene. I mean, it goes for ages, but, like, oh, God. It does. Well, it's good to note as well that um, Heather Langenkamp, uh, Langenkamp, sorry, um, who plays Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street, actually serves as one of the members of the makeup crew um, because her husband is an FS, uh, SFX artist. That's so cool. Like, so she's just so been knee deep, got, like, knee deep in this shit oh, yeah. for her whole life, eh? Yep, since nineteen eighty four. She Which can't. is pretty damn good. Came on the scene. That is just blowing mind. But don't get me wrong. There were a lot of practical effects in this film. But mm. it just so happens that uh, there is a bunch of CG as well, like the big snake and stuff like that. I think it's the big snake that gives it away the most. Like, yeah, that. That yeah. big snake looked the worst. There is one other criticism I do have of this film is 
out of all the things that got chosen, I actually found the zombie family kind of boring. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, when it got oh, the first time around watching it, or when when they pick up that one, I was like, it could have been anything, you know what I mean? Like, it could have been like everyone yeah. like, remembers from this film, the ballerina, like that girl with like yeah. she's got the mouth for a face and that's all she's got. I imagine that was like the first half of the film and then the other half. I reckon that would have been made stronger. I, but I feel they wanted to go the really basic, basic, basic yeah, thing I, to show that it was just like what it is. That's right because at the end of the day it's not about the the creatures. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the ritual. It's about the office guys trying to finalise the ritual. So I feel that if they'd have gone something, because um, they, they tease that pinhead kind of character quite a lot, and that would have been really cool to see. But it just, I think it would have been... mean too good? Yeah, it would have been, like, too exciting. Or taking away, yeah, taking away from the idea of what this film is overall, it would have, like, yeah. I suppose, yeah, that that is true. I mean, the, the zombie, the redneck zombie fan, I like that bit where... um. Like when they're doing the sweepstakes, and he's like, "I should have won. I chose zombies." He goes, "No, it was actually zombie rednecks, <laughs> like the yeah. specifically, not just zombies." And she's like, mm. "Like I love all the office bureaucracy of it and stuff." Like when they yep. uh, halfway through that, when they think they've already won, and they start having the office party, and like, oh, the yeah. main character's like, he's, he starts to do like a, you know, like you know, because we've just killed. They realize because they have to kill a whole bunch of innocent people every year. And he starts to do kind of a monologue about, you know, the, the tragedy of it. And then a, a girl walks in with a bottle of tequila and he goes, tequila! Just, you know, just <laughs> stops like he's like his meaningful talk to yell out like, my drink's tequila here. And they have an office yeah. party. And I actually think that office party bit is one of the best scenes that like when they're blowing off steam, they realise they saved the world because you don't know how often they do this. You assume that's not every year. Yeah, it might be like every five years or something like that. Possibly. Um, and then, yeah, when he gets the, the red the red phone call rings and it's like, uh-oh, you know, the, the hot yeah. phone realising you know, it's upper management is to tell them something and that, yeah, yes. ah, such, such a good touch. We've 100% spoiled this one. So if you haven't seen this, we should have done a spoiler at the start of this. I suppose we did that's say right. we are going to say it was about we, it. We can do a little disclaimer and everything as well, so that's fine. Um, so I would like to talk about one of the scenes. So this was uh, the scene that tested highest with the audience was the merman sequence. Yes. So for those of you who didn't or haven't seen the film, um, yes, he talks a lot about a merman and wanting to see a merman, and he gets to see a merman in one of the best death sequences <laughs> ever. Um, so of course everything's falling apart. It's all every the earthquakes and people are dying around them. And he, he just he gets blown up. So one of the guys, the security guys, uh, is being attacked by zombies, and he basically just pulls the pin on a grenade and blows himself up, which then in turn, which you know, which was a really good ex- uh, explosion. I got to add, there was a lot of gore in that. Did you notice? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was really good. So then he's laying on the ground. He's, like, hurt and in pain, and you just, he's just like, ugh, ugh. And then you just hear this sound. And he's, like, looking into this, it's like, mist. It's this mist and haze of smoke, and all of a sudden you just see this this merman come out, and he's just like, oh, fucking, you gotta, oh, God. You're going to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so, yes, he gets to see his merman. But it's at the detriment because it then eats his face off and blows the blood out of his blowhole. 
And he's a pretty ugly looking merman, eh? It's hideous. It's a fucking hideous merman. It's merman. Anyhow, we're not going to go into the re- 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 what happens at the end of the film. So there's still. We haven't spoiled what happens at the end of this film. And um, we have, I told you, probably three quarters of it. So that if you haven't seen it, you still can watch it and there's still stuff that happens. So I don't think yep. we should go any more into it. I think we should leave all the, 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 the cameos and whatever about to happen for the people who do want to watch it. Is it you cool with that? I'm, I'm definitely cool with that. What did you uh, – so I gave this an A for awesome. What did you give it? Well, I gave it an ABC. So I oh, gave shit. this an A. Oh, I know. I went ham. So everybody should watch this film. It is also definitely a beer and chicken wing movie night it kind is. of movie. And being that it's uh, over a decade, well, almost a decade old, it is a classic that everyone should watch. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do my A sound for that. Which just is the Final Fantasy like uh, winning tune, <laughs> and my I suppose I'll just do my uh, my my beer and chicken wings sound for yours. So yeah, that was um yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go through all those sound effects, uh, but there are a lot of like things. I'll yeah, do the classic one it. as well. So you do a classic that everyone should watch. Which is, uh, Jen can't hear that, but it's basically a, no. a, 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 a dubstep version of uh, Bark. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, let's move on to our second film, which doesn't have as many ratings. <laughs> so no. second film that we watched this week was Nightbreed from 1990, yes. directed by Clive Barker. I reckon we've now done all the Clive Barker films. Yeah, probably. We, except for My- Hell, Hellraiser 1 and 2. Like, okay. as in the core ones. We'll get there. We'll get there. Directed by Clive Barker, um, who is like my, one of my, my favourite novelists. He created Hellraiser, he created Lord of Illusions and all uh, stuff like that. Uh, they're the mm-hmm. films he's actually directed. So, Nightbreed, based on the book Cabal, uh, which I have read, uh, which I have a funny kind of a funny story. I actually read that uh, whilst I was working in a pornography shop. Huh. <laughs> I read the whole book from back to cover, like over a period of shifts from like from like 10 p.m. till four in the morning. My shift was on our, on Hindley Street. I worked at a place called the Box. So <laughs> for people who know me and didn't know that, that's what I, I did for a while. And I read this book Cabal, which I loved the novel. So I've I got to you know I got to admit I I don't think I had seen this film, um, but I'd always loved the novel. I kind of just avoided it and. And, yeah, so getting into it, synopsis, Jen. Okay. Come meet the dead of night. (laughs) A troubled young man is drawn to a mythical place called Midian where a variety of monsters are hiding from humanity. Yep, yep, seems seems legit. Pretty pretty there. Um, I, full disclosure, I had watched this film late last year and – I didn't much care for it, f- and I thought, well, look, it might have just been, might have just been a, a bad night. wasn't into it. was tired. So I definitely sat and gave it a, a, a good fair crack again. Yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah. get, we'll get, 
Yeah. Yeah. So the the one the thing about this film is like it's based on a novel, and from I, I did the wrong thing. I read the novel first, so you're always going to be disappointed. You know that situation where you you can't win yeah. against the novel. So straight away I was like, eh. I know a lot of people in our Facebook group who heard that we were like watching this. That I know a lot of them really love this film. So. I, um, I'm not going to shit on it too much because I know it's a lot of people's, you know, favourite film. Um, yep. I don't think it's a bad, bad film. I just think it suffers from doing too much in too short a time. So, yes, do you know I what definitely I mean? agree with that. So it doesn't yep. really, like, it can't it can't make all of its points and it doesn't give you enough characterization of every character enough to for you to uh, connect with them and stuff like that. On the other hand, yep. though, it does have one of the best killer people, serial killers ever in it. Oh, my God, I love it. Um, so there is a uh, – the main character is a, a troubled person who has a psychiatrist called Dr. Decker, mm-hmm. who is played by none other than David Cronenberg, which yes. I didn't know David Cronenberg did any acting. Did you? Yes, he does. He's kind of like David Lynch in which he just sort of pops up in very weird and random things and you just don't question it. He did remind me a lot of Lynch. He also reminded me a lot of young Stephen King in this. Like Yeah. Um yeah. but not Stephen King from like Maximum Overdrive Stephen King, like Stephen King from <laughs> like Pet Cemetery when he was in that. Like he just yeah. reminded me of for some reason what he looked like. I don't know why. Um so David Cronenberg plays Dr. Decker, a psychiatrist who has a double life as a serial killer called I don't know, they never mentioned his name in it, did they? No, the, I, I, he might have a name, but at no point did they reference it. Because um, in the book, it, the mask, he, so he wears this amazing mask. It's this, yes. I don't know what it's made out of. It's like a brown mask and he's got buttons for eyes and a zip for a mouth and that's all he's got. It is terrifying. Did you like the mask? Amazing. I loved the mask. Like he was my favourite part of the film. Yeah. He's just oh. so good. In the novel, the mask has its own personality and he talks to it and it makes him do stuff and it's got a name. So it, I, I skipped over that whole bit, like, which um, I actually found in the book with some of the most interesting stuff, if I, if mm. I remember. If I'm already, this is a long – this is only like 20 years ago. I, 20, yeah, 20 years ago I read this novel. So if I've got some of the details wrong, don't shoot me. Just uh, send me a <laughs> Facebook message with, you know, anthrax on it or something. Um, <laughs> Virtual anthrax. So, yeah, yeah, so this uh, straight away, Cronenberg, best part of the film, the, mm-hmm. the, the serial killer with the mask, he's great. And so he basically cr- commits serial killer murders and he uses his patients as he uses, like, you know, psychiatry on them to make them think that they have created the murders and then they um, uh, confess and then they get arrested for the murders and that's how he gets away with them. You don't really yeah. get that much in the book. Did you get that from it? Because that's what he does in the book a lot. Did you get that yeah, from the so film? That, um, that's... That's what um, I got with him and Boone, Boone's character. So yeah. he that he was like, "Well, you got to come in because you're committing murders again." He's like, "Oh, but I didn't. I was home last night." He's like, mm, "Psychosis, man. Yeah, you fucking shit up." Okay. Um, and then of course he figures it out uh, that he's being heavily drugged by him, um, so that he is the scapegoat. And then. But at first he thinks he has murdered these people, so his life goes to yeah, shit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. He has a girlfriend in it like who is like very, very like, – there's like, so much stuff happens fast in this film. Like, you know, mm. you, meet, you meet the girl. She basically is – half the film is this girl. Like, yeah. basically, it's, it's Boone and this girl and the serial killer basically. And she just has no character development, hey. She blindly no. just chases him, wanting him, even though he's a killer, there's no reason why she does most of the stuff she does. Did you, re- did you feel that? Like – 
Yeah, she's just like, I'm sad, so I'm going to go find him. Yeah, I need a man. Without this man, my life is nothing. Therefore, even if he has been a serial killer, I'll just follow him to the ends of the earth. Like, I'm like, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I mean, she's she's an adorable little puppet, but, yeah, she, I, she's not really a, a memorable. Like, I, I can't say I've seen her in anything else. I can't say that she was crazy good in this film. Like, I really enjoyed the scene... Uh, and it's just a scene that did not even need to happen. Like, she's at this club and she's singing a song. It was really cool. I'd go see that band for sure. But even then, that was like, okay, why? And it, went, it went for ages as well. Like, they could have, like, yeah. like you know, like, in, in films when they show too much of a band, like, they show a whole song. You don't want to see a whole yeah. song. You just want to see a tiny clip of the band singing a little bit of the song cut to a different scene. They showed the whole yeah. song and I was like, oh, you're wasting time. This film was everywhere. The pacing was like... Up the wazoo. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's all over the place. Like sometimes, you know, heaps of shit happens. So anyhow, he basically, Boone gets killed for, you know, uh, being a serial killer by the police. Mm-hmm. They've gunned him down. And um, and he, but before that happens, he goes to Midian. Midian? Yes. So there's a city that they keep on going on about called Midian, and they got a lot about it in the book. And, in, in, and then in the end, in the, it's just a graveyard. <laughs> So he goes to this graveyard. He gets bitten by this nightbreed person, and uh, but then he gets killed. But because he's been bitten by the nightbreed person and then he dies, he becomes a nightbreed person. And there's not really any explanation of what nightbreed were. Did you find that? Yeah, they, it was just monsters they were just living a, yeah, they together. Were, they were just a cocophony of deformed people. Like, yeah, and some it, of them it was were like, like a nightmarish Cirque du Soleil cast. Yeah, yeah, that was so Circus Delay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. as if Circus Delay were going to do a horror theme. So some of them yeah. were like, you know, straight out of like Hellraiser, you know, giant fat blobs that don't have arms or, or yeah. you know, tortured souls and that. And then some of them were just like had like red dreadlocks or a big yeah. face. <laughs> like, and um, it was very – there was no – it was very random. The Nightbreed, um, they were cool but they – they didn't have enough consistencies in themselves to be anything in particular. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, I, I felt that, like, all the ca- character designs were all really unique. Yeah. They, but they all looked like they were designed by the, the contestants of that face-off TV show. <laughs> yeah, um, or um, the so, people who made, like, uh, uh, Basket Case. They reminded me of the freaks from Basket Case as well. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really... I don't want to say it was really badly done because they weren't. They were fantastic designs. They were all very well executed, but there was no sort of consistency in how they all looked. So there was, there's no relation to these these beings. They're not from a clan. They're not from a family. And they're they not, weren't. They're they, just like a bundle of misfit monsters. Yeah, they're misfit monsters who aren't evil. They just live under a uh, a graveyard in a, in an underground city called Midian. Um, they, you know, they don't like humans. They don't associate with humans. They've got a whole bunch of rules and religious rules. Um, they're not bad guys. They're just, like, trying to live their life. They realize if humans find them, they're going to fuck them over. So they just, like, have no, you know, they don't deal with humans at all. But then Boone comes in, you know, and he fucks everything up, really, if you, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, they had their little really thing does. going. But then, like, halfway through, it just turns into this massive, massive, like, basically commentary on just, like, like gun-toting rednecks, basically. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. all just about that 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 very familiar message of like uh, m- 
uneducated people that don't understand something, so they have to destroy it, destroy it and get rid of it. Which um, yeah. so the rednecks will come and they want to kill. Like you know, the police are fuckheads. Everyone's a dickhead. Um, yes. And so yeah, it's just that. So I got the very like a, a very metaphorical vibe that it was like maybe how Clive Barker felt about um, like being gay and coming out of the closet when he was younger and stuff like that. Like how he felt like society might see him. It might not be that, but I got that kind of vibe from it. Like these were just like people I mean, it trying could to. Very well be. Yeah, people trying to run their lives. They just wanted to you know get along. They realized people wouldn't understand them, and then when they obviously when yeah. they yeah did understand them, everything I went mean, to I hell. Feel like- yeah, I mean, I completely understand that sort of scenario because um, coming out as gay today in, like, now is, it's a walk in the park for most people. But, you know, the the late 80s, you had, you know, with the AIDS crisis and then the 90s and all this very staunch, um, uh, like, men just being anti-gay and very pre-masculinity and I can't think of the actual word for it. So being Misogynistic? No, not misogynistic. Yeah, um, like homophobic. Like a lot of a lot of gay panic. So they're very homophobic back then. So you know, it's completely understandable. Mm. And yeah, so they, they they represent that by these rednecks coming in and basically with guns and the police coming in with them and the government and they just shoot all the nightbreed people. But yep. for, but fortunately, the nightbreed had an army of of of, of actual monsters, <laughs> which made no sense. Like you know. Monsters that have no humanity, they're just like actual monsters. And um they just basically let them go on the uh let them out and let them attack all the rednecks. But that bit was crap. Did you find that crap? Yeah. There was no gore. No, like, there got... was no gore. They kind of look like the um arcade versions of the space invaders. <laughs> um, just a bit like more frothy at the mouth and drooly. Um, but no, like people were just getting shot and it had so many endings. Did you notice it went all Lord of the Rings at the end? It just kept going. Yeah. Every time I thought it was about, cause at this point, like, and again, I, I'm really sorry to everyone on our Facebook page who love this film. I didn't see it in the nineties when it came out. So I don't have any nostalgic kind of attachment to this. I, I just didn't get into it. So I was at the point where it was like the first ending and I'm like, Oh, Thank God. Yes, yes, ending. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, and it's going again. And again. Oh. Yeah. And then fade it's in, traveling fade on, on the wind. Yeah. Right. It's, it just, it Lord of the Rings. Thing. Like, so as I found this film quite disappointing, um, but the book is great, but I found the book disappointing. What did you give it? So I gave it a G, a good for its time, but hasn't held up. I also gave it a W for whatever. So I, gave I do it. apologize. I gave it a G as well, so. I mean, I really like Decker's character, and I like the fact that David Cronenberg um, wrote the script for The Naked Lunch in his spare time while he was acting in this film. Um, that was fantastic. We- I would have loved to have seen a film where they delved more into Decker and his obsession because he became obsessed with Midian. I would have loved to have seen that. Do you so, know this would go really well and work really well as a TV show? Like, to it, be honest, I thought the same thing. Yeah, it would like you know you could develop like uh, Doctor Decker's character and his like his alter ego with his mask. That could be a whole thing. You could develop Midian as a uh, uh, as a place that you care about. You know characters that you care about, 
Um, and so when stuff happens, it, it works better for itself. It had a prophecy, you know, it had that whole thing going for it, so you could always do that. But, yeah, yeah. I, I just think, yeah, let's move on. I, I agree. Yeah, let's move. sorry, guys. Sorry. It, it was It was just good for its time, but it hasn't held up. Right? And yeah. people remember stuff. And like I said, the, the, some people like different films, and that's fine. Just us two felt the same. But, yeah, you gave it a, a W as well. What's my W sound? Yeah, it, it was a boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my W sound. Um, okay, so From Beyond, 1986 was the next one, directed yes. by Stuart Gordon, who did The Reanimator, as we all know and love. Do you like The Reanimator, Jen? I do, and, you know, I have tried to watch it because I haven't seen it for a number of years. Um, I sat down and I've tried to watch it on three separate occasions and I basically get to about the same point in the film and something happens, I have to turn it off and come back to it later and I never do. So we'll have to make it a, a, an episode so I have to sit down and watch it. Ooh, maybe. Have you picked your movies for this week? I have. Oh, okay, so we can't do it this week. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, you, you, can, you can take the lead on this one. Sure. So, again, directed by Stuart Gordon. Um, starring Barbara Crampton. Uh, she was also in The Reanimator uh, and Shopping Mall. Jeffrey Combs, who was also in The Reanimator. Uh, he was in the 1999 House on Haunted Hill. He's had a, a fantastic career being in horror films and cult films. Uh, Ted Sorrell, who was in Basket Case 2. And Ken Foree, I apologise if I pronounced that wrong, um, who was in the original Dawn of the Dead and is now in most of Rob Zombie's films. Oh, so that is um, a pretty star-studded cast for horror film. It's a great cast. Um, he's just this big kind of hulking black guy who is just fantastic and spends a lot of the time of this film in some orange underwear. Were they orange or was this a lighting orange? I reckon they, they could have been orange. whiteys. Maybe. White, white, whitey dickies. But um. <laughs> anyway, um, so humans are such easy prey. A group of scientists have developed the Resonator, a machine which allows whoever is within range to see beyond normal perceptible reality. But when the experiment succeeds, they are immediately attacked by terrible life forms. It was very immediate, wasn't it? As soon as the um, as soon as as he create uh, so the the doctor is the opening scene is him like with a whole bunch of cool computers in a in an attic. Is it the attic? The top part? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. an attic. Um. And, you know, with this resonator in there, he turns it on and basically like an elect- a, 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 a catfish, a floating catfish comes out and just bites his face <laughs> straight away, like almost comedy, just like a big, big, big electric eel just bites his face off. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's really bad that that scene reminded me of uh, Batman Forever where the Riddler has developed his little thing that you you jet onto someone's head and you can see things. Um, there's a scene that does a very similar thing. That movie's garbage, by the way. Um, anyway, moving on. Yeah, and so so he, he you know, he, he the resonator works. He runs downstairs to tell the the um what was the doctor's name? Uh, Doctor Per what's his name? Per Petorius. So yeah. he lived for some reason he lives with Doctor Petorius. So the two doctors living together. Yeah. So it's like he's pro he's the protege of Doctor Petorius. He runs down downstairs and goes, Doctor Petorius, I got it working. Doctor Petorius answers his bedroom door with no shirt on, straight up. <laughs> like this is the first time you've seen this actor. He's this overly sexy What? 
They're just a couple of bachelors living their best life. Yeah, like, he's this weird, overly sexualized old man. Like, mm-hmm. so he goes up and, you know, the resonator. And for some reason, the resonator, when you turn it on, it gets you fucking horny. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everyone I just like, like, like starts to get all like, you know, oh, fuck, can you feel that? It feels so good. Like, and. <laughs> And like, it, do- it doesn't help as well that the resonator, for some reason, just emits, like, hot pink light everywhere constantly. So you yeah. got these pink rooms with monsters flying around while people are all getting, like, stiffies and shit underneath them. <laughs> <laughs> so straight away, I love this film. <laughs> I just like Bubba because, uh, so Kevin Foray's uh, character is called Bubba. Um, and it's just the next day they're sitting down and he's like, Okay, but why did I get a boner? I'm like, okay, we're, we're just straight into the point now, guys. Yeah, he basically just says, why did I get a boner? So Bubba's character, does he live with them or does he just come in to help them as they're resonating? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm trying to remember. What we probably should have said was uh, Dr. Pretorius comes out. He's, like, affected by the machine, but the machine basically takes him over and he disappears. And... Um, Everyone's like, name? fuck. Jeff- yeah, so Jeffrey uh, Combs, whose character Crawford, he's arrested and taken to a psych ward for like killing him. Oh, that's um, right. But he gets arrested before they even go into the house. Did you notice that? Yes. They just arrest yeah, him straight away without if, seeing anything. And it's just a neighbor calling up for a, a noise disturbance. The police yeah. rock up and arrest him out the front of the house for nothing. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should have walked into the house first. And, was, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, so he's arrested. He's in a psych ward, which, um, and then comes Barbara Cam- uh, Crampton's character, Dr. Catherine McMichaels. So she comes and she talks to him and he tells her what's happened. So he is then released into her custody so that they can go back to the house and check out what's happened. Which, which I'm going to say is the most unlikeliness of scenarios you know, oh, you're 100%. a wanted murder person and a doctor comes and goes, let me release him into my custody. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, no worries. And uh, so Kevin Forey is basically there as the uh, the law. He's like, I am the law here. So he's kind of like the bodyguard to stop um, Jeffrey Combs' character from doing anything absolutely messed up and crazy. Okay, so Bubba um, is just there, their hired help in case. Yep, yeah, cool. So yeah, it ends up being Doctor, uh, what's the doctor's name? The, the normal guy? Dr. McMichaels. Oh, Jeffrey Combs' character. Combs. Uh, Tillinghurst. So we got the doctor, we got, we got male doctor, female doctor, <laughs> and then Bubba as the bodyguard as our three characters. And Dr. Pretorius has disappeared into the resonator, but he reappears. Yes. Oh he my. Does. Oh my, does he reappear. Ooh. N- naked. Ooh. <laughs> in, in, sh- in the shunting. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of shunting happening. There's a lot of nakedness. So there's a lot of body manipulation, body gore. No, what do they call it? Uh, body melt? Body horror. Yeah, it's body melt, body horror, you know, that kind of thing. Which I kind of really enjoy for some weird reason. I think it's funny yeah. and weird and gross because you are always, in every body melt film, you're always guaranteed a lot of jelly and slime and shininess. Yes. I love it. And- I love it so much. And then uh, Dr. Pretorius comes in naked, all fucked up and shit or whatever, and it says the greatest line ever, touch me mm-hmm. if it pleases you. <laughs> the, <laughs> while they're all standing there like, you know, they're not like, they're not, they're not sitting there like wanting to be with him. He's like appearing and they're like scared and he's, touch me if it pleases you. And I'm like, oh God, that's a, 
Yeah, it doesn't. You know, I'm I'm good. And it's then okay. his face splits open and fucking yeah. shit hits a fan. He basically just turns into a, a beast, a beastly beast with tentacles. He's like the thing from the thing, like yeah, in a, in the pinkest scene in the world. <laughs> yes. Um, I yes, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the makeup effects, like the whole way through the film. I think even at one point, like um, Doctor Tillinghurst is downstairs and he's just standing there and just gets full full blown like slapped in the face by this weird prosthetic tentacle thing. Is that the word? You mean? Yeah, and I just completely lost my shit laughing. It was amazing. Yeah, those giant worms were a bit out of a. Uh, I was like, what worms? Okay. I'm down. Yeah. Because because then it made it amazing because Bubba runs in in his jocks. Yes. He, like the jockiest I, budgie smugglers ever. Like, am I, who, why, do, why do these people agree to these things? Hey, he look, he's probably got it, so he's going to flaunt it. Um, but he, what I did, what, one of the notes I made was uh, Bubba fighting the worm is what 2020 needs right, right now. So, you, you reckon that was the best thing? I think it was, it was probably, it was the most standout scene for me. Um, I reckon if Corona yeah. needs a mascot, it should be Bubba in jocks. <laughs> Fuck, goes, you know, the world needs you to fucking keep your shit together. And then just have him exactly. naked in budgie smugglers. It'll help the world. We know that. Yeah. But then there's bees. So. <laughs> oh, the, the, not the bees. Why were there yeah, bees? So this, the machine's creating things. Yeah, but why bees? Simply, <laughs> I... I don't know. I didn't know that bees would eat flesh. Um, well, that's but, a common misconception in reality. Don't you know that? That bees are well, co- commonly just eat people. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, um, and now I'm terrified. <laughs> so, yeah, poor Bubba, he gets, he gets, he gets the axe, um, but it, it looked so good. He's just basically this, like, skeleton of a man who's... He, he actually looks like he's been eaten by little teeny tiny piranhas. Um, and it's just him laying there. Maybe they like, were talking. tiny piranhas with wings and they just appeared to be bees. I'm okay with that. I'm I would like that. to believe. Yeah. Um, and then we move into the part of the film where, like, um, Doctor... I can't remember all their doctor's names. Doctor, the main guy, the young doctor, the protege, he decides to grow a fucking dick out of his head. It's his pineal gland coming, it's spewing forth great knowledge and something. I don't know what. Which is really um, strange because he starts off to be the protagonist and he kind of turns into the antagonist halfway through the film, which is, yes, a, he does. and it actually, I felt like I'm all about pacing. I felt that really like, jilted the pacing of the film. Like, of the, yeah. some, suddenly when he was like, all oh, about being the good guy, he suddenly, and now he is the bad guy because at one stage the the lady she kind of went a bit bad as well. Like it's just this all this, yeah. this sexual need that no one is good in when 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 it comes down to you know getting horny, everyone will fuck their their mate over for a bit of bit of tail, a bit of interdimensional tail. I mean, she, there was like this whole BDSM sort of undertone to it, but they don't actually go into like a crazy huge amount of explanation. Um, I basically just put this down, this film down as being the personification of what I understand to be blue balls. Yep, yeah, I reckon. It's, it's, yeah, it's a blue, a blue ball. Yep, I like that. There's a lot of sexual tension. Like, there's so much sexual tension, you can cut it with a knife. And there's some some eighty boo eighties boobs. Oh, there was. But yes. there's there's no release. There's no 
there's no climax to this film. Well, there was a bit of a climax. I mean, yeah, not it, the climax that you want. I, I, so the main guy loses all his hair. He gets a, uh, a pituitary gland, but his his brain his brain's pituitary gland bursts out of the, his forehead, giving like a third eye kind of vibe, where he's like super smart. And then he um mm. he goes on a rampage of sucking people's eyes out of their head. That was so. <laughs> For no fucking reason. <laughs> oh, there's also that scene as well, Doctor Crawford, where he's suddenly eating a whole bunch of organs. Of people, he just eats a person. There's no reason yeah. for that. He's supposed to be no. smart. There was a lot of, like, don't get me wrong, like, it might sound like I'm ragging on this film. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed this Yeah, film I loved it and, as well. <laughs> and would watch it again. But, yeah, it was, like, at one point he's just sort of, like, squat in the middle of a morgue eating some brains. And I'm like, huh, why? Is there a reason? Does there no? need to be? Okay. That's, that's the real question. Yeah, no, there there is no need, and it's fine. So, it, and then the end this, basically turns into the shunting. So it's just like a, you yes. know a giant scene in the attic of like body melt, fucking shit going everywhere, you know, crap everywhere. There's a is it a grenade that causes an explosion? I think so. It's, there's some sort of explosion that ends <laughs> that vanquishes the evil. But the best yeah. part I liked is she, so the explosion happens. Uh, doctor, the lady doctor, she jumps out of the window and lands on the ground after the explosion. But it's okay. She's completely fine, apart from maybe a minor open compound spiral fracture of the knee that she gets. <laughs> like her whole leg and like she only jumps out of a window and then the next shot she's got like an actual, like her whole bone is sticking out of her leg. But she's fine. Like, yeah. No, she's going to walk it off. It'll be fine. Yeah, I reckon she'll be fine. But, yeah, that uh, compound spiral fracture, I was just like, holy yeah, shit. That'll, like, that'll get you in the end. Like what? That, that, it, 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 it kind of, I mean, I was, I was happy that it was in there because it was hilarious. But we, yeah. she only just jumped out of a window. Or was it a real high window? <laughs> it was, it, like, it was the attic, wasn't it? I oh. feel that she's jumped out of the attic. So that does make a lot of sense, medically speaking. I think because it just looked like she was just jumped, because when they filmed it, it just looked like she was, because she would have been jumping out of a normal window. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Anyhow, what did you give this? Uh, so I gave it a C, a classic that everyone should watch. Yeah, so did I. The classic. All right, so let's move on to, shall we, move on to horror oh. news. So every week, me and Jen take you through the horror news you need to know about. Welcome to Horror News! That's so good. You're getting better. I love it. I don't know. I, I, I'm probably just going to start doing it normal from now on. No. No, normal, no. as in a normal werewolf. <laughs> I'm trying to mix up the, the werewolfness of it every week, but I just think I'm going okay. gonna to gonna find my werewolf and go with that. Okay. Yeah. Search, search for your inner werewolf. Um, so let us start. Screamwatch 2020, guys. Screamwatch. Um, I don't have I don't have a sound for that. I knew I said I would. Let's just use this sound. And anything if you want to go from just a beginner to a pro, you need a montage. That was the montage theme from Team America. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm not going to use that from now on. Anyhow, no. that was just on my soundboard for some reason. 
So uh, reported early on late last week, early on late last week, that makes so much sense. Um, so it looks like the boys star Jack Quaid is joining the cast of Scream. Now, is um, he too old? I always, yeah. envi- I always envision Scream to be teenagers, hey? It is teenagers. However, um, so I don't spend a lot of my time on the internet and on forums and being that kind of a person, but I've, I'm part of a few different groups and there's a lot of theories sort of starting to circulate as to who he could possibly be playing. He could be Ghostface. He could be Ghostface. It's the um, only other kind of person there is, isn't it? There's, there's, sometimes there's two Ghostface, though. There could be a cabal yeah. of Ghostface. Ooh. There you go. And you heard it first here. Ghost cabal. <laughs> Ghostface cabal. Um, so there's a lot of talk about him possibly being the younger brother of Stu. Yeah, he looks like him. He does. So that does make a lot of sense. Um. But I guess only to, I mean, he could end up just playing a really creepy teacher. Yeah, he could just be that. anyone, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there has to be, yeah. it has to be more than like five people in this film. He could just be, yeah, a teacher. He could be a parent of like one of the younger kids, or he could be a, a cousin or an uncle, you know what I mean? Like, it could be anything. Yeah. I mean, you look at Arquette and um, uh, Courtney Cox, they're getting pretty, uh, you know, they're, they're getting to the older end of the, of the, of the scale. They can't be, yes. like, you know, the main characters anymore. We need to bring in a whole fresh team of teens, but also the teens need a couple of people slightly older than them to put them on their, you know, their track, their correct track. The rules, you know, the rules. Yes. But, of course, I mean, Jack Quaid is, uh, I mean, he was born in 92, so he is still quite young. Oh, is he? How old does that yes. make him, 92? Um, I'd say, what, 28? What year are we in? Twenty twenty. Yeah, he's twenty eight. Yeah, right. I mean, that is that is very young. That's still way older than high school, though. Then again, it is America, and if I've learned anything from ninety two one oh oh, people go to high school till they're forty. <laughs> well, this is true. I mean, if this was made in nineteen ninety six, he would be playing one of the main characters. He'd be too old. He would be playing. He'd, he'd be too young. Seventeen. He'd be too young to play yeah. the seventeen year old. <laughs> but yeah, what about the boys? Have you watched the boys? Um, so I haven't watched the second season. I know that's only just. Um, just I've only watched um, the first season, which I fucking really liked. I didn't think I would because I'm a, I'm I'm not the biggest Garth Ennis fan. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved Preacher when it came out, uh, the mm-hmm. original comic series, but I think it suffered from like uh, it's not as relevant anymore, and there's a bit of like you know un PCness in it. That's a bit ton- a bit you know cringy nowadays, which is fine. But at the time, it needed that, and like, there was nothing like that in comics, so it, it's kind of cool that it was there. But I feel it's, mm-hmm. it's dated a bit. And then the TV show came along and I really enjoyed that. I thought they did really well, yeah. took out all the stuff I didn't like and added the, left the stuff in I did like. So that worked. And then the boys That's came good. along and I, I think the boys, I never liked the comic. It was a bit too talky for me. It was pretentious. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was just Garth Ennis's hate of superheroes, you know, of the, of the whole thing, which is fine. You don't have to like superheroes, but he just did a very, it was very mean. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. characters, where the boys in this, like they are kind of mean. But they're not as mean as they were in the comic, if you know what I mean. But I mm. enjoy um, his character as uh, what's his name? Like we we he's Stewie. Uh, or yeah, it's Stewie. Stewie, yeah. Because originally uh, his character in the comic Stewie is based on Simon Pegg in real life. But then Simon yes. Pegg got too old by the time the boys got made, and he played Stewie's dad, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah, oh, sorry, it's Huey. Huey, little yeah, we Huey, they Huey. Yep. Um, I thought they did, you know, the, the female really well. I thought they did it all. The bit where they, like, 
hit the invisible man with the car and how good that those effects look and stuff. Great mm. film. Yeah, I mean, great, great TV I, series. I really, I loved and hated the dolphin scene. That was that was tragic. Funny, funny. Yeah, I, I found it a bit weird to watch that bit as well. Um, I really found the scenes where the merman <laughs> um got his like gills fingered. I found that fucking gross. Like, it was gross. Well, but like, I, I just, I was just like, oh god, like this is like. And I loved how it made me feel because it, it, it is that whole thing of like being a male. This, this is how probably females feel a lot of the time when there's males want to be fucked up shit to them. Like, well, that's true. And he was a bit of a scum. Well, he was a lot of a scumbag as well. So, you know, he got his comeuppance and. You yeah. don't often get comeuppances. Like, the problem is in real life is yeah, people like that don't get their comeuppance or they don't learn. But yeah. That's right. Anyhow, let's not get into that. I, I like The Boys. It's, it's a great TV show. It is not for the faint-hearted. It has some no. fucking brutal ideas and brutal scenes in it. As you can just see by this, uh, the bloody disgusting article here, the, just the shot from The Boys is just like fucking chaos. It's just a, you know. Yeah, it's glorious. It's a bloody mess and I love it. Yeah, it's wicked. Um, What do you think? Yeah. What do you think he's going to be in screen? I don't know. Um, I, I quite enjoy this theory that he could be a relative of Stu because they, you know, Matthew Lillard has petitioned to be in the film. He, nothing has been announced or stated that he will be anything to do with it. But, hey, it's a nice little... I, feel, I don't know if it's a, it's an obvious kind of thing, if that's the case, but it's it'll be interesting to see who he's playing. I reckon he's going to be the boss of the, the ghost face cabal. <laughs> Oh, the Ghostface Cabal. Yeah. That's fair. It's a Scream Watch 2020 hit prediction. Ghostface Cabal. Not to be confused <laughs> with like the Ghostface Killer. It's different. No. Yeah. As in, as in, as in the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> not not yeah. the Ghostface Killer from Scream. Okay, it keeps confusing. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um. So, Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Netflix zombie film, is getting a prequel and an animated series. And this is weird um, that they announce this because the Army of the Dead hasn't even come out yet. No, no. So I, I feel that someone was involved in it and they booted them off and had to basically reshoot everything. I could also be thinking of something completely different. So an animated, an animated zombie series. Now that hasn't been done, unless we look at like you know anime as in Japanese animation. There's stuff like that being done in there. But like as as far as it goes with like adult cartoons that have been coming out, stuff like. Mm. Um, most of it's well, been comedy. There hasn't been a lot of, like, just a full, like, long-running zombie animated series. That's a new idea. I'll give them that. Yeah. It's very interesting, though, because um, the prequel is is getting an anime series. Um, so I don't think it's just going to be animated. I think it is going to be an anime. Oh, anime, yeah. as in Japanese animation yeah. or whatever. Did you want to yeah, um, uh, So for those who don't know what Army of the Dead is, did you want to read that there's, like, this... Uh, Thing about what it is. Can you see here yes. in the article? A zombie plague. Do you want to read that one out? Yes. Um, so Army of... Uh, I keep wanting to say Army of Darkness. It's, sh- it's what it should be. So Army of the Dead, a zombie plague hits Vegas and they're able to contain the virus to the city. They build a wall out of shopping shipping containers and then the city falls. Six years later, one of the casino owners hires this, this group of zombie soldiers to go get his money that he left in a safe in at the casino. It's basically like Sorry. Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> zombies. <laughs> um, okay with it. Well, are they, when it says there's zombie soldiers, 
they'd be like, like you know, zombie soldiers that fight zombies. They're not going to be zombies that are soldiers, are they? Well, it depends on what kind of zombies they are. Are they trainable zombies? Um, yeah, I don't think so. Because they'll just be zombies against zombies, and I'll be kind of nah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Zack I mean, Snyder. I, I mean, not if, if you want to read into the, the, this this small synopsis, the uh, you know the wall being built around, you know, bit of a bit of a you know a homage, old Trump's wall, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know the the zombie apo- the apocalypse, the coronavirus kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? Like, is it just mm. playing on that kind of thing? And like, when did this get made? Because I've noticed that Army of the Dead is still in post production at the moment on IMDb. Because mm-hmm. I was like, yes. why don't I know? It? Why haven't I seen this come up in my Netflix? And I realized it's not out yet. Because it is very not confusing. Because you'd think if they announced a prequel that the se- the first one will be out. <laughs> But yeah, so there there was something about this that I saw recently is that they did have to do some reshoots. Um, so that's probably what's keeping. And then of course as well, like coronavirus, like it's that coronavirus shut down the Batman film. <laughs> Robert Pattinson got COVID. Um, they've shut down the film. Um, the Chucky TV series is currently on hiatus. Um, because again, coronavirus. So well, that wouldn't yeah, affect Chucky. He's a doll. What? No, but all the humans that are around him, it might have some kind of effect. That's true. That's true. You don't want to also, you know, uh, put yourself into the body of someone with coronavirus that's just about to die. That's true. That would be very foolish of him. Yeah. So maybe he, right? Maybe they should do um, where he, like, you know, he get corona tests all his victims first. <laughs> sure. Or they could have yeah, just him. Just here. We'll, we'll he, be back to you in 48 hours. Or he could just wait out the front of a, a COVID testing place and then, like, when he comes out, they go, like, oh, how'd you go? I don't have it. And then he can kill them or take over their body, possess them. I mean, but that would first have to be that there would be testing facilities in America because I don't think there's a lot of them. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's – well, we got – anyhow, we got Jack Snyder, Zack Snyder. He's going to make, mm-hmm. you know – He's going to make a great-looking zombie film clip, <laughs> which is basically, yeah. to me, what his films are. They're just giant, like, film clips, which I find them I find them entertaining. But yeah. But I'm, I'm really interested in this. Army of the Dead. So Army of the Dead, Las Vegas, is that the – that's the anime series. That's what yeah, that, that's so what it's the, the prequel anime will be Army of the Dead, Las Vegas. So I'm guessing this will be the how it all begins, so the six years prior to this happening. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see if it is an anime or if it is an animation because anime tends to just go fucking balls to the wall when they do horror. Yeah. Well, they do a different vibe of horror, don't they? They do. And I think that's probably going to be the best, the best way to do it because there, I've seen a couple of animated horror movies being announced. Um, I can't remember the name of one came out late last year. Um, but it's just, it's never going to have that same vibe as anime horror. Yeah. It just hits you in a different spot. Have, um, I noticed that there's a film coming out, a horror film called Spiral. That's not an Uzumaki film, is it? I don't think so. Although they have been saying that they're going to be doing another live action version of it. Yeah. Cause um, I've seen that in those, really those fake posters that, you know, coming out for like uh, Scream and stuff like that. In that bunch, yeah. there was one called Spiral and had the, the spiral on the wall. And I was like, ooh. And it was live action because there was a person in it. It wasn't like this, uh, it wasn't like an Uzumaki animation or anything. And I was like, is that going to make it like a, a an, an American version of Uzumaki? 
Because I'm yeah, like, it's, it won't it's work. It's going to fail. <laughs> yeah, both, it's going to be shit. Yeah. It's going to be shit. Well, they did, they did, an, uh, they did a, an anime, Junji Ito anime, that was released uh, last year, and it, it bombed so hard because he wasn't involved with the animation side of things, I well, think. They do, it, that, they do that shit where, uh, well, the, uh, the Gyo, G-Y-O, when the, the anime of yeah. that, it's just like, they 100% just put new characters as the main protagonist and they weren't likable or anything. I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just have yeah. the same characters as the... Like, they still have the same scenes happening but with different characters. And I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, Well, I think... So the problem... Because I never watched it because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, nah, you've got two little cutesy anime people in the front and then a shark in the background. Mm, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I don't want some weird romance story and then there's, like, the actual novel happening in the background. Um, but if I, like, it would be an R-rated kind of thing. Like, you you want to get the core of what Junji Ito is trying to portray. You want to do as much as that as possible. And you're not going to be able to do that in something that's going to be M or MA-rated. It's true. It's, um, so I don't think I, as much as we, uh, we've talked about it before, we lo- I love, I think you love as well, Junji Ito books and the mm-hmm. stories and the comics. They're friggin' amazing. And, and for any horror fans out there, should like track down some Junji Ito stuff, preferably from Greenlight Comics and, <laughs> and, uh, and check them out. But every adaptation of his work has been rubbish. Every yeah. live action film, every like, animation, everything that he hasn't done has just been the pits. And it's yep. it's it's bad because like it's just gonna make, like, pull people away from such good stories and yeah, but, it's because he's not involved. He needs to be involved because nobody can do what he does. He can. I don't think it would be a matter of like him just sitting in a room saying, "Oh, you need to do this." He. I think it needs to be hands on. Like he's got to be there. Mm. It's his essence. Oh well, Junji Ito, scary man. Well, I we'll, love it. We'll wait. We'll see what army we'll, of. We'll, army of Zack Snyder's like <laughs> and uh, hopefully it'll be okay like I'm a as I said and you're the same as me I I, I got a bit burnt out by zombies a long time ago so mm-hmm. just another mm-hmm. zombie film to me is just like uh, maybe Too easy guys thinking something new yeah but you never know but they might do it great I still love yeah. certain zombie films like you know I love Day of the Dead um, I love uh, I still work, I got a weird like love for World War Z for some reason, even though it's stupid. I think I just I like love the book. Yeah, I just like watching the zombies like all run over themselves. You know, the big waves. There's like two yeah. scenes I like in the whole film. You know That's what I mean? Fair. We watched Train to Busan the other night, and That's a good I film. had I loved that film. And I I was cooking dinner while we were watching it, and I completely forgot how it ends. Yeah, I can't remember I was... how it ends either. Oh, it's it's just tragic, and I was just like, I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying. Well, then, then what we Fuck watched off. recently, we watched, um, we watched, uh, I am a hero. We loved that Japanese zombie that thing, and then great. we watched One Cut of the Dead, which is another zombie one. So that's right. Here's us saying we don't like zombie films, and all of us have these really good zombie films that we've loved recently. So maybe have you noticed that they're all from Japan though? Yeah, because they always think about that stuff differently. It's true. It's a different take it. on life as, as a whole, uh, you know. So, and as I, we said before, which we're probably going to get into a sec, uh, zombie films are a uh, a manifestation of the climate and the change at, of real world events that are happening at that time. Pe- zombies, yeah. ma- zombies represent the fears of what's happening at that time. And so, Japan, uh, people that live in Japan uh, have a different way of living and a different way of thinking. So, the, naturally, they're 
fears and their zombie films are going to have a different tone to them, and that's why they seem so like, unique. Yeah. Or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. This is very insightful. You're, you're, you are not wrong at all. Let's move on um, to our next story. Yes. So this isn't necessarily a story, um, but it was an editorial by Marcus Shorter that I read on Bloody Disgusting the other day. Um, and it's a new decade, new rules. The pandemic gives horror a chance to rewrite the rules. Mm. And I thought this was a very interesting sort of um, article because, yeah, you they're right. Like, we are in 2020 now. We're still, you know, our horror, all our horror films are still playing on the rules that we've known, you know, from the 80s, like even from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. It's still now, but considering that we are now living in a completely different age, like, you know, technology-wise, you know, we're in the midst of a global pandemic right now. You know, everyone is in, like, self-isolating. Things change, and now is the time that it's going to change. That is true. But I also think that horror itself um, is uh, kind of, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go on exact dates, but let's say we're working in decades here. So you got your 80s, your mm-hmm. 90s, your 2000s, 2010s, and... 20s now i feel each decade has its own set of rules like so scream as the main example because they they basically you know they lay down the rules of the 90s slasher the 90s horror i think they might do 80s and 90s maybe it's in 20 year gaps but i think it's different now and as i was saying before it, it it comes down to horror is supposed to be you know our fears and stuff like that. But as, as humanity yeah. goes on and changes, we change what we're afraid of. And especially in this year. Um, mm. So, yeah, the article goes on to read stuff about, you know, um, uh, what is scary now? So people are like, uh, we no longer are we afraid of, uh, you know, the person that's going to try and break into our house and kill us. We're afraid of uh, these this virus or the idea that we let these like you know a small amount of people into our lives we're only allowed to see from self-isolating our family and stuff like that but Mm. also we're doing that at a risk that we risk that those people could have coronavirus so they could kill us so basically like the people we trust now are becoming our closest people that we trust are becoming the things that we fear does that make sense to you yeah no, that completely makes sense. So you imagine that um, we are now, and I mean, America, for instance, is the only example, the best example, Melbourne as well, like, you know, their safe place, the safest place you can be right now is in your home, which means once your home is not safe anymore, then that's it. Yeah, so I reckon there's going to be a lot of horrors coming out based on, uh, maybe a family member, uh, you know, like the, the trope will be like someone you trust a lot turns on you. I reckon yes. that might become the new thing, like as in, you yeah. know, the, that, that small close-knit community of people you 100% trust, but you never know. They could have the virus. They could be the one that kill you in the end. I reckon that is going to filter down into our fears and consequently our, um, our horror films. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, I, I'm very, I mean, a lot of, um, there's been a lot of like made at home horror that's been happening this year. And I think one of the biggest ones that people are pushing is Host, which I've not watched yet. It's on Shudder. And it's about these girls who basically do like a Zoom party and they do a seance in a Zoom party and something is unleashed. 
Well, that's very is that very similar? Like, what was that one that was uh, all shot on Skype? It was like, like unfriended or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So this is the this is like the new normal for people. This is how we're interacting with with each other and talking to each other. Like you know, you, instead of having your your weekly stitch and bitch, you, you're having to do it o- online mm. over hosting services. Like like us right now. Like the whole eighteen episodes we've done, we've never been in the same room together. That's true. We, we um, we've done this all via remote. Yeah. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see. And I think one of the things that they say as well is to sort of take those tropes and throw them away. So it 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 how to how it feels to follow the rules and get nothing but an icy embrace in return. Yeah, that is true. Also, as well, with like the idea of like this generation, um, of people like the found footage thing obviously came up that was the found footage was the horror thing that was you know i reckon that's like the 2010s kind of thing like yeah there was well a lot, there 99 was... with Blair witch and then it it nothing again until paranormal activity i mean i'm sure there was like splatterings of stuff but nothing i can really remember yeah so um that... until paranormal activity hit but then they have the, like, the rules in, in the found footage films is like, you know, stuff like you have to, you know, explain why these people are filming. But in this day and age, man, with TikTok, with, uh, you know, with uh, Instagram and stuff like that, it's almost like there's no reason to explain why people are filming stuff. You know what I mean? Like doing mm. found footage stuff because it is the normacy now. Um, maybe the, the biggest horror films in the next 10 years are going to be, you know, the, 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 the losing of views or the losing of a... Uh, 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 likes and stuff like that. Your likes disappear in your views. Your your online uh, your yeah. online influence to people well, like that are younger. That's more important to them than living and friends. It's so true. Uh, it's true. But yeah, so, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to change. What are these new rules that uh, uh, the horror going to write? It's going to be a very different uh, thing. And as I said before, we've seen it in we've seen it in zombies. Zombies is a really good example of this because zombies themselves, and I've through watching these zombie docos, I didn't realize this. Zombies as as a, a concept change through the decades of what humanity is afraid of. Originally, you yeah. had like you know the dead walking, and then like, it went into like Dawn of the Dead, where it was all about the consumerism and being like the shopping and you know the full uh, you know consumerism stuff like that. Then it moved into like the 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 faster moving zombies, which were more like pandemic based and stuff like that. And that was with you know yep. um, you know the uh, you know with like the the, uh, the wars yeah. and stuff like that, uh, chemical warfare yeah. and stuff like that. So and now it's like yeah, like zombies. Really, I mean, I, I just did a very layman's term of that. There is a, a lot deeper versions of this, and, and it makes a lot more sense than I've said. I'm, I'm just doing it off the top of my head. Uh, but I don't know, there is a lot of, like, uh, yeah, horror horror movies tell the tales of what humanity is afraid of at that time through the yeah. rules. So they're saying they're going to, we, yeah. we can, um, we're given a chance to rewrite the rules. Do you have any ideas of what the new rules could be? Like, like what? What are these new horror rules? These tropes? You remember the screen I mean, ones? There's stuff like you know, if you if you if you have sex, you die. What would yeah, be a new one? Yeah. Is it like if you you know if you? Well, I mean that one is one of the. It's that's a reality now. If you have sex, you're gonna die. Um, you you need to know your corona people before you have sex with them. Um, but yeah, as, it is. But even it's just such a tricky one. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin now. Like, and I've been. 
you know, consuming a lot lately and I just I couldn't even say. Like I, I'd love to see Even looking at even coronavirus know. as a thing and like taking that out of the equation, like as, as a thing, like, as a whole of what humans are afraid of at the moment. Like why are we having protests for anti like lockdown and stuff like that? Like because that like protests are from fear and stuff like that. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of their freedom being taken away. So that's the main thing yeah. people are afraid of at the moment. They're, they're not allowed to leave their house. It's their freedom that we're talking about. We're not talking about a virus. We're talking about like a, a maybe the idea that um, the new horror will be something along the lines of like you're just like your choices are taken away. Like you mm. don't have a choice. Where stuff like, like you know, Saw was all about making the correct choices. But maybe yeah. the new thing is going to be like like choice and freedom as a concept and a whole is going to be the new horror. So how does that translate into being a horror film? It's something we can't work out now, but like, and we'll no. see, we'll see it in the changing of films. I mean, mm. we look at, what was but, it? Uh, but getting back to recent horror films like Ritual, <laughs> that's the one mm -hmm. I keep coming back to. That was definitely a different vibe on horror. That was, that was almost like their freedom being taken away by having to look after their mother and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, and it was a very yeah. close family thing. And again, it was the thing of the mother, the person that she trusts the most turning on them. Yeah. I kind of feel that we're going to see a lot more of um, sort of mist-like movies. So not necessarily the mist, but more like small town turning against each other, you know, small roommates turning against each other, the kind of like conspiracy, not necessarily conspiracy, but the mistrust and the the growing paranoia kind of thing. Yeah, films. the fear of the uneducated. Yeah. That's um, that's one of my fears. Like I am a mass. I'm I'm always scared of the uneducated. I know that sounds like cocky, but like the people that uh, you know, the people that the, the anti-vaxxers, the flat earthers, the the, the stuff like that, like the, the crazy notions. The um, there's that word for it. You know, when you 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 um, you've already made up like your mind, and you basically yeah. just find out facts that um. That uh, you know, that 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 make you what you're thinking about more true. There's a word for it, and I can't remember what it is. It's a right, Claire. no. I, I Claire know. always it's, says it to me that I do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the people that do pick and choose what they want out of the Bible, um, to 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 promote fear and control. Because once you've got the fear, you've got the control. Um, so that's that's definitely something as well. But you're not wrong because usually the loudest person in the room, the loud person, we saw it in the mist. The loudest person in the room doing all the talking and generating all the fear is usually the dumbest fucking idiot in the room. But that's what happens when you're the loudest. Mm, fear. So. Mighty, mighty, mighty tool. Anyhow, so, <laughs> well, like I said, this is a talking point. We're not going to work anything out. Um, it's just like... We have posted this on the Facebook page, so if you have any opinions, jump on. Let's have a conversation. I did like um, on the Facebook page one of our followers, uh, Sam Cripps. Yeah, he mentioned about like how uh, in this in that post he was like how he was talking to one of his younger customers when he was at work, and he mentioned how like after Poltergeist he was scared of you know TV static for a long time because of that mm -hmm. thing, and this person was young, and they're like, "What's TV TV static?" Because they're like, they had no idea that TV has ever done that. Because after static, yeah. remember, it used to go blue. There was that thing. And nowadays, there is no TV. There is no losing of channels and stuff like that. They had no idea that static was a thing. Yeah. Isn't that uh, just bonkers to think about these days? Like, it that, is. 
And then I said, I, I was as a kid, I was always afraid of, you know, when the TV channels end? Yes. Yeah, and you get that weird montage with, like, the national anthem and shit. That used to scare yeah. me as a kid because I figured if television is over, the world has ended. <laughs> like, and uh, But, yeah, it's just a, another kind of, you know, thing just to do with the times and stuff like that. But, yeah. Anyhow, we should probably work out what we're going to do for homework. Oh, you're writing it in right now. You're keeping it a secret I from me. I am. I was. I love a secret. Um, so I, again, am doing a little bit of a theme for, for next week's episodes. I have chosen anthology movies. Oh, yes. So, so, uh, movies within movies. Yes. Um, so we shall be watching Creepshow. Ooh, OG Creepshow. Oh, OG Creepshow. We'll be watching Tales from the Dark Side movie. Um, this is a first watch for me, so if it's really bad, I apologise in advance. You know, there's another really good one as well I'll bring up in a sec, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be watching Scare Package. So this is a new release film on Shudder. Um, I've been keen to watch this as, this one as well. Scare so, Package? Like, like Care Package, but Scare Package. Like, yeah, exactly. Like. Another one, uh, a really good horror anthology, which I really loved, was Cat's Eye. Do you remember that? I've not seen that one. I think it's Stephen King. I'm not going to bring that up. But basically it's um, um, a, a movie about this cat. It starts off, yeah, and it's, it's got Drew, I think it's got Drew, yeah, it's got Drew Barrymore in it. Yeah, it's a Stephen King book. Uh, it's a bunch of okay. Stephen King. And it's basically about this cat. And there's three horror stories, but the cat is involved in all three of them. So the first one is about a kid, you know, with the cat, and then the cat, like the movie ends, and the cat leaves, and then it walks into the next story, and it kind of, so you know, there's like the creep show guy, like mm. it's this cat that's bought, but walks in through all the stories. It's very cool. Um, you got like okay. Drew Barrymore in there. You got a whole bunch of really good, like you got James Wood, you know him from like a uh, video drone, yeah. and yes, stuff. Yeah, you got Robert Hayes is in it. You got a whole bunch of like. Um, Really good actors, but that's a really good horror anthology. But, like, it's all one story, but it's three stories. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. Not, well, yeah. if one of these is terrible, we'll swap it out for the other. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I just wanted to mention that one because it's, it's one I discovered recently again because I'd always seen the cover as a kid and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give that a watch while I'm going through my, my, my stage. I was going through a Cronenberg stage and, you know, it had what's-his-name yeah. in it out of video drone, so I just went from there. Anyhow. Why not? loves james woods nice housekeeper so, yeah. okay uh so you've been listening to terrorvision horror podcast with dan and jennifer uh we are a podcast that is on all streaming services soundcloud stitcher spotify itunes iHeartRadio, wherever good podcasts can be found uh we are also available on youtube um dan has created a new cool video for you to watch while we're you're listening to us chat away yeah i got a new, um, a new background it's all budget as shit <laughs> I love it. Um, so on any of these these streaming services, please leave us a star rating, leave us a comment, like us, follow us, subscribe to us, all of the things. Um, we are also available on Instagram at Terrorvision Pod. We also have Facebook, as you know. Um, again, Terrorvision Pod. You can email us, terrorvisionpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to watch, what you want us to discuss. If you have an opinion, if you don't have an opinion, just have a chat. Mm. Email us. Email so. us. It'd be great. And um, you can also do it. You can also check out me over on Hack the Dino Hack the Dino Gaming, where you can catch 
us live over on Twitch every second Friday at 7pm for casual hangs, chats about games, nerdism and stupidity. It's basically a live show of, it's basically the Hey Hey Saturday of gaming, if you remember that, like with Daryl Summers. We've changed up our format now, it's a lot looser, it's a lot more fun, It's we do live play, like play games live together, It's um, but it's all on Friday night, it's all like a giant comedy two-hour live stream over on Twitch. So check it out. It's this Friday so at 7 p.m. So if you want to tune into that, that'll be fucking awesome. As in, it's every second Friday. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we've, we've moved away from like YouTube. We're more doing the Twitch now and the fun and the Patreon. So there's a whole bunch of Patreon okay. tiers you can get where you get drawn by me and all stuff like that. People have already started doing it and it's very good. And signing off, cool. and until next week, may all your dreams be nightmares. <laughs>